Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 236 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a review of the Glencore FCPA and Fraud Settlement. Hello, everyone. Welcome from uh, beautiful Sicily here, sunny Sicily in Italy. Uh, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Um, we had a obviously a major uh, FCPA and fraud enforcement uh, action that came out this week and wanted to, uh, this past week, and wanted to uh, review that with you. A lot of interesting points uh, as well uh, with regard to the Glencore FCPA and market manipulation uh, settlement. Uh, before we get started, how about a word from our new sponsor, uh, who was introduced last uh, episode, and that is Diligent. And welcome to Dil Diligent. Diligent is the time-tested, award-winning provider of automated governance, risk, and compliance solutions. For over 20 years, Diligent has helped boards and C-suites to design and implement effective governance practices through its market-leading board application. Diligent has now expanded its offerings to include risk, compliance, and audit solutions. Building on these new and exciting capabilities, Diligent now offers the critical capability to connect boards, C-suite, risk, compliance, and audit teams to promote purpose-driven leadership. Building on this capability, Diligent provides a full suite of complementary services including risk management, ethics and compliance, environmental, social, and governance, and proactive auditing strategies and practices. Diligent solutions enable companies to implement robust corporate governance to mitigate and manage risk, create a culture of ethics and compliance, ensure that company controls are audit-ready, and implement tailored and responsive ESG solutions. If interested in exploring Diligent's unique complement of solutions, please reach out to Diligent at its website, www.diligent.com. Okay, so we had the... Uh... Glencore um, enforcement action, very interesting. Let's go over just some of the basic uh, provisions of the settlement. Uh, it involved the Justice Department and the Commodities and Futures uh, Exchange Commission, CFTC or Trading Commission, and it resolved a sprawling investigation which had been going on for years with Glencore International AG and Glencore Limited. Uh, the Swiss-based uh, commodity trading and mining company. Uh, both companies entered guilty pleas for FCPA violations and a commodity price manipulation fraud scheme. Uh, Glencore paid, agreed to pay over $1.1 billion to resolve these two major investigations. The resolution in the U.S. was part of a coordinated set of criminal and civil resolutions involving the U.S., the United Kingdom, uh, in Brazil, and they're still in the process of resolving uh, charges in Switzerland. Uh, the FCPA violation stemmed from a dec decade-long scheme to pay bribes through third parties to benefit foreign, foreign officials in seven countries. Under the plea agreement, Glencore agreed to pay a criminal fine of $428 million and criminal forfeiture and disgorgement of $272 million. Basically, 
Glencore paid bribes to secure oil contracts, avoid government audits, and even bribed a judge uh, to make a lawsuit disappear. Um, the Justice Department imposed an independent compliance monitor for three years. Uh, they credited $166 million in payments made to resolve parallel event investigations in other countries. Um, and the FCPA resolution contains DOJ's promised certification requirements governing full disclosure of information to DOJ and for compliance enhancements as described by Criminal Division AAG uh, Polite in his recent speech at the Compliance Week meeting in Washington, D.C. In a separate case, Glencore admitted to a multi-year scheme to manipulate fuel oil prices at two of the busiest commercial shipping ports in the U.S. Glencore agreed to pay a criminal fine of over $341 million and forfeit $144 million and to submit to a three-year term of an independent compliance monitor. Under the terms of the CFTC resolution, Glencore agreed to pay over $1.1 billion, which consisted of a monetary penalty of over $865 million and disgorgement totaling over $320 million. DOJ agreed to credit up to one-half of the civil fines that it may pay to the F CFTC to resolve its parallel civil proceedings. Uh, in 2021, a Glencore employee, Anthony Stimler, pled guilty to FCPA and mon money laundering violations, and he's identified in various parts of the statement of facts. He was a trader in uh, the UK, uh, and in the information that was filed in connection with the uh, Glencore settlement documents and guilty plea. So as part of the global resolution of foreign bribery allegations, Glencore reached parallel re resolutions with uh, U the UK's Serious Fraud Office, Brazil's Ministerio Publico Federal, and the CFTC. DOJ agreed to credit a total of nearly $256 million in payments that Glencore makes to the, or it will make to the CFTC, the court in the UK, as well as authorities in Switzerland once there's a resolution with Switzerland. As recounted in the guilty plea papers, Glencore admitted to executing a bribery scheme over a 10-year period to pay more than $100 million to third parties, knowing that a portion of these payments would be used to pay bribes to officials in Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Equatorial Guinea, Brazil, Venezuela, and the Dem Democratic Republic of the Congo. Under the corporate enforcement guidelines, DOJ cited the following factors in reaching its resolution with Glencore. Uh, the seriousness of the offenses, which spanned over a 10-year period and involved high-level employees and agents of the company, uh, its failure to voluntarily and timely disclose the conduct to DOJ, the state of Glencore's compliance program and the progress of its remediation, and Glencore's resolutions with domestic and foreign authorities and its continuing cooperation. Glencore did not receive full credit for cooperation and remediation because it was delayed in producing relevant evidence and it did not discipline certain employees involved in the misconduct. While Glencore enhanced its compliance program, its new program was not uh, fully implemented or tested, so therefore they uh, had an independent compliance monitor assigned to them. The second in this year, the first being DOJ's resolution with Stericycle. Glencore earned a 15% discount from the bottom uh, from the bottom of the U.S. sentencing guidelines range. 
Now, with respect to commodity trading, between 2011 and 2019, uh, Glencore conspired to manipulate two benchmark prices published by S&P Global Platts for fuel oil products at the Port of Los Angeles and the Port of Houston. Glencore traders sought to increase profits and reduce costs on contracts to buy and sell fuel oil, as well as certain derivative positions that Glencore held. On certain pricing days, Glencore submitted orders to buy and sell the plats during the trading window for the plats price assessments with the intent to artificially push the price assessment up or down. For example, when Glencore had a contract to buy, fuel oil employees submitted offers during the plats window for the purpose of pushing down the price assessment and hence the price of the fuel oil that it purchases. The submissions were made for the purpose of artificially affecting the relevant price assessment so that the price of fuel oil that Glencore bought or sold did not reflect legitimate forces of demand and supply. Between uh, September 2012 and August 2016, Glencore employees conspired to manipulate fuel oil prices for a particular counterparty, Company A, for transactions involving Los Angeles bunker fuel. And between January 2014 and February 26, Glencore employees also formed an informal joint venture with Company A, which involved buying fuel oil from Company A at prices artificially depressed by manipulation of Platts benchmarks. And between January 2011 and August 2019, they, uh, Glencore employees conspired to and did manipulate the price of fuel oil uh, through Platts pricing benchmarks, including uh, derivative positions for U.S. Gulf Coast high sulfur fuel oil. Glencore uh, pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to engage in price manipulation. Under the plea agreement, Glencore received a credit of $242 million in payments made to the CFTC as part of its civil settlement. So uh, what was really interesting was that the Justice Department put its new stamp on FCPA settlements. Um, and uh, they've been promising a new, more aggressive approach to FCPA enforcements, and they've made statements to that effect on numerous occasions. Uh, the Biden administration touted its elevation of the battle against corruption as a national security issue, and, its issue, and it issued its strategy against corruption, which included numerous promises, initiatives, and proposed policy changes. And DOJ has repeatedly been touting its new and aggressive approach to white-collar enforcement, extending uh, aggressive, its aggressive approach to export control uh, and sanctions violations. Now, for a while, all was quiet. But DOJ's silence was broken by the Stericycle, FCPA enforcement action, several weeks ago, which uh, indicated uh, DOJ's approach toward, a, uh, toward the appointment and a more aggressive approach towards the appointment of independent compliance monitors. The Glencore FCPA settlement reflects yet another step towards uh, in furtherance of DOJ's new aggressive approach. Whether this is going to be the final resting place, it's hard to tell. We're going to have to wait and see. But DOJ's resolution with Glencore includes additional requirements, including CEO, CFO, and CCO certifications, along with some other refinements or improvements designed to promote DOJ's message around the importance of remediation and overall compliance expectations. 
Now, uh, let me go down a few of the factors that were somewhat important. First off, the fine amount was $1.1 billion. Uh, and here, unlike a deferred prosecution agreement, we had guilty pleas. Uh, Glencore was required to plead guilty to uh, conspiracy to co uh, commit FCPA violations. We had a three-year compliance monitor, a discount of 15%, which is in the relatively normal range given the fact that they did not get full credit for cooperation. Um, there were some interesting points about their compliance remediation credit, which I'll talk about, and then we have the certification requirements uh, for the CEO and CFO and the CEO and the CCO, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so we had in uh, both cases this year independent compliance monitors uh, appointed, and under the last administration we did not have any uh, or we had few, let me just say that, with regard to FCPA cases, I can't recall of one right now. Um, uh, and second, um, DOJ cited several interesting factors when crediting Glencore's compliance remediation efforts, including Glencore's implementation of a centralized compliance function, um, enhancing its business partner arrangements uh, by adopting payment controls and post-engagement monitoring controls, and investing in uh, increased compliance headcount and data analytics. Uh, note the data analytics. These are new uh, items, at least to explicitly credit, and I thought that was really interesting, particularly the data analytics, the payment controls, and post-engagement monitoring controls for third parties. Now, DOJ included a specific form requiring CEO and CFO certifications that Glencore has complied with all disclosure obligations under its plea agreement. They also have another certificate, which is required to be signed at the end of the term uh, of the Independent Compliance Monitor, requiring both the CEO and CCO to certify that Glencore has implemented in an ethics and compliance program consistent with the specific requirements mandated in the plea agreement in what is typically referred to as Attachment C. Now, both certifications raise significant questions about potential liability for the executive if, first, let's say Glencore fails to disclose all the conduct required under the plea agreement, and we've seen that controversy come up recently with Ericsson, and their settlement, uh, and the second requirement to in their certification to that they institute an ethics and compliance program reasonably designed to detect and prevent future violations. And the form certifications contain language confirming that such statements, if false, would be prosecutable under the false statement statute, 18 U.S.C. 1001, and for obstruction of justice under 18 U.S.C. 1519. Interesting requirements, no question. And we'll talk a little bit more about this when we close out at the end here. But I want to talk uh, and review now the bribery schemes and the manipulation schemes. They're, they're pretty interesting. Uh, Glencore obviously had a fatal culture of ethics and compliance. And it was a absolutely, when you read the facts, it was just a obsessive commitment to profits at any and all cost. Uh, and uh, the, the board and the senior executive team forgot basically the, the most important equation, 
which is that ethical companies are more profitable in the long run. Instead, now, now Glencore has to suffer the stain of this uh, enforcement action and reputational damage, and they've got to fix a culture of lawlessness. So it's bribery conduct stretched across seven countries and occurred in a variety of circumstances, and we'll go through those. Glencore's bribery uh, schemes ran for over 10 years, 2007 to 2018, and over $100 million in payments to third-party intermediaries intending that a significant portion of these payments were used to pay bribes to government officials in Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, Equatorial Guinea, Brazil, Venezuela, and the Democratic Republic of the Congo. As I mentioned earlier, Anthony Stimler pled guilty in 2021, uh, and he was a UK-based Glencore trader assigned to the West Africa desk, and he pled guilty to one count of FCPA conspiracy and one count of money laundering, and he cooperated with the investigation. In West Africa, uh, Glencore paid approximately $79 million to third parties to secure uh, advantages from state-owned and controlled uh, entities in the West African countries of Nigeria, Cameroon, Ivory Coast, and Equatorial Guinea. Uh, Glencore disguised the payments by using sham consulting agreements, paying inflated invoices, and using the intermediary companies to make the actual bribery payments. It was a classic use of third parties and a classic funding with uh, an improper scheme. Uh, Glencore often relied on so-called commissions for oil cargo transactions as a means to funnel bribery payments to two third-party intermediaries, which in turn paid various West African government officials. Most of the bribery payments were approved by two senior executives at Glencore's UK, UK subsidiary. Uh, as a result of the bribery payments, Glencore earned uh, profits of about $124 million. In Nigeria, Glencore entered into multiple agreements to purchase crude oil and refined products from Nigeria's state-owned oil company, NNPC, and they used two intermediaries, West, a West African intermediary company and a Nigeria inter intermediary company uh, to, uh, to advance their bribery scheme. In Nigeria alone, Glencore paid more than $52 million to the intermediaries to fund in part the bribery scheme, and when they referred or communicated about the payments, the executives and traders and the third parties uh, referred to such payments as journals, newspapers, filings, or pages. Uh, Nigeria Intermediary Company received payments from Glencore to purchase refined petroleum products for Glencore and to act as a front for Glencore to purchase oil cargoes from the state-owned oil company and immediately reselling the cargo to a Glencore subsidiary. Glencore paid various fees to the Nigeria intermediary company knowing that a portion was going to be funneled to Nigerian government officials and they often referenced them as advance payments for specific crude oil cargoes. Between 2006 and 2014, Glencore paid approximately $27 million to West Africa Intermediary Company to fund bribes to government officials in Cameroon, Ivory Coast, and Equatorial Guinea, and they earned approximately $92 million in uh, profits. Some of these bribery payments were made in cash and were dispensed from Glencore's offices in Switzerland. 
Uh, let's talk about the DRC, the Democratic Republic of uh, the Congo. Glencore was subject there to several mining audits related to taxes and mandatory employer, employer payments. Glencore was fined and penalized on a regular basis. Uh, so from 2010 to 2013, they retained an agent to pay a tax consultant uh, in turn to bribe DRC officials. The consultant issued fraudulent invoices to disguise the bribery payments. Uh, and in total, Glencore paid approximately 27 million in bribes through the tax consultant. Uh, on one occasion, Glencore learned that it was to be fined 700,000 for failing to make the requisite employer contributions. And to reduce the fine, Glencore and the tax consultant arranged for a $450,000 bribe payment to reduce the fine down to $250,000. In January 2010, a medical service company sued Glencore for $16 million. Glencore paid a $500,000 bribe to have the lawsuit dismissed. Glencore paid the presiding judge and the plaintiff's attorney to cooperate in the resolution of the case. After the DRC agent made the payment, uh, the presiding judge uh, ruled in Glencore's favor to resolve the case. Now, there were two other sort of minor schemes in Brazil. Glencore paid approximately 147000 uh, in part for corrupt payments made by a third-party consultant to Brazilian officials to secure an oil cargo from Petrobras. And the bribery payment was included in a built-in sort of delta to the proposed purchase price. Glencore traders communicated with the Brazilian consultant by using his personal email address, and they disguised the bribery payment as a 50-cent add-on to the per-barrel charge. In Venezuela, Glencore paid an intermediary over $1.2 million to make corrupt payments to a Venezuelan official related to purchases and sales of oil cargoes to Petavesa, and specifically to reprioritize or jump in the front of the line for late payment interest charges and demurrage uh, charges for delays in delivery of cargoes, uh, and they secure priority in the interest payments of debts owed by Petavesa to Glencore. Okay, let's talk about a little bit about the commodity trading fraud scheme, which centered on, uh, it was interesting, interesting scheme as well. Um, Glencore engaged in a variety of manipulative, deceptive, and corrupt conduct which spanned almost 11 years and occurred in the U.S. and global oil markets, including manipulation of four U.S.-based S&P Global Platts, physical oil benchmarks, and related futures and swaps. So they sought to increase profits from physical and derivative oil products by manipulating U.S. pricing benchmarks related to physical fuel oil products and related futures and swaps. On numerous occasions, Glencore engaged in the scheme uh, to manipulate the Platts price assessments connected to four fuel oil products and associated der derivatives in three markets, uh, that being L.A., Houston, uh, and uh, New York. Uh, the New York Harbor. Uh, and they often, uh, on numerous occasions, uh, they engaged in fuel oil cargo trades with a Mexico-based state-owned entity for delivery to the Los Angeles market. And this was for bunker uh, fuel, which is used by vessels typically. 
and they manipulated the Los Angeles bunker benchmark, which is maintained by S&P, by submitting false uh, bids either to drive up the price or down the price, depending on whether they were buying or selling. And that was pretty much the, uh, the scheme that they used throughout this. Uh, and, um, and the CFTC order includes a number of uh, specific examples that can be looked at. But it's really a, a classic sort of manipulation of the Platts uh, benchmark, which is uh, calculated based upon trades reported during a trading window. So let's talk about lessons learned here from the Glencore settlement. I think, uh, look, the Justice Department has come back with a bang. Uh, and the new enforcement approach and the message for CCOs and corporate business leaders is clear. Anti-corruption should be a, a, a critical compliance priority, and companies that fail to do that will be severely punished if they are caught uh, and when they engage in bribery. Um, this new approach, I think, stands as one of the most important events, elevating again, yet again, corporate compliance in the last 30 years. However, um, you know, DOJ's new certification requirements, particularly with regard to the CCO, is going to be controversial because it creates the risk of personal liabilities. But CCO uh, should take DOJ at its word that the certification requirement is intended to empower CCOs in the corporate governance landscape, but this will be interesting to watch. Uh, while the certification language includes acknowledgement that the statements are material and that false statements would constitute a violation of the obstruction of justice statute, the likelihood of prosecution of a CCO will be rare, if at all, unless there's a blatant and intentional fault and knowing false uh, representation. But, you know, relying on prosecutors to exercise proper prosecutorial discretion provides little comfort to CCOs who now will suffer increased anxiety. Uh, some of the implications of this are quite interesting because CCOs, I think, will have to undertake their own due diligence process in reviewing a company's global compliance program to confirm the accuracy of any certification. To the extent that CCOs rely on exports uh, reports prepared by third-party consultants uh, and advisors or even the independent compliance monitor, who assist companies in enhancing their compliance programs, CCOs are likely to conduct close scrutiny of the operation of the company's compliance program. Aside from this overarching and significant issue, the Glencore enforcement action contains uh, several significant lessons learned and issues for future consideration. First, the remediation and compliance enhancement factors, including centralization of its compliance program, adoption of the third-party payment controls and post-engagement monitoring, and investing in compliance headcount, but, uh, but most importantly, data analytics. So DOJ has now credited a centralized compliance program, indicating that it views a regional or local country-by-country -country compliance program uh, you know, a little less positively than a centrally managed and administered program. Uh, you know, this makes sense, though, today in today's world of global companies. So, uh, but a welcome addition, I think, in terms of crediting remediation. 
Obviously, Glencore's, you know, over 10-year course of conduct occurred in a corporate atmosphere where numerous actors, if not almost everyone, embraced blatant violations of anti-bribery, commodity trading, and related laws and regulations. Uh, Glencore's leadership and senior management did this for one reason, and it's pretty obvious, increased profits, and now they've uh, been hit with legal and reputational consequences. In my mind, they have a tough road ahead. Um, and at the, core, uh, at the core of the bribery violations was our usual suspect, and that's uh, third parties. And these third parties funneled lots and lots of money in the millions and over $100 million in bribes uh, in West Africa. And, uh, and notwithstanding uh, its use of third parties to pay bribes, uh, the settlement uh, documents contain no reference to any post-onboarding, monitoring, or auditing of existing third parties. So it's not even clear that Glencore had even an, an onboarding procedure for new third parties. So DOJ has long required that companies engage in a robust onboarding, monitoring, testing, and auditing program for managing third party risks, and Glencore appeared to have ignored that completely. Uh, so we'll see uh, if they're able to fix that. Uh, Glencore's non-existent uh, culture also permeated its trading activities related to physical and, and derivative trading and uh, the manipulation of applicable uh, benchmarks, which is a basic um, restriction or basic prohibition that all traders know about in the commodity market. Um, and it wasn't a one-time occurrence or an occasional. As reflected in the factual statement, Glencore employees submitted a significant number of false bids during a pricing window under a contract. This commitment of time and energy really reflected the willingness of traders and employees to flout basic laws and regulations for one purpose, to increase profits. Well, that's the uh, Glencore enforcement action. Really interesting. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how the independent compliance monitor works out. Uh, but this is going to have, uh, obviously, set a, pr a precedent that we're going to see in other enforcement actions. Uh, and DOJ said there's more coming. And uh, we have to take them at their word. But we have over a billion dollar settlement uh, this year and the stair cycle. Uh, 80, uh, $80 million, $84 million settlement earlier in the year. So DOJ is uh, uh, obviously starting to ramp up its FCPA enforcement. Well, thanks again. Uh, arrivederci from uh, Sicily. Be good, and we'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com
Something better comes tomorrow Hoping all the verses rhyme And the very best of choruses to follow All the drudge and sadness I know that better things are